Cruella de Vil, Cruella de Vil, if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Cruella, Cruella de Vil. Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Stu and Al pod. I'm Al. I'm Stu. No medley. Yes. No, no, Stu, asking me if I've been to see the new Cruella de Vil film this week. I saw it the other day as well. No, no, ask me if I've been to see it. Oh, have you seen it, Al? Have you seen the new Cruella film yet? No. Ah. <laughs> I just like that song. <laughs> I watched it. It was good. Oh, is it? It's free on Disney Plus now, so you can just watch it on there. Oh, is it? Oh, because I like Emma yeah. Stone. I might watch it. Same. You got that a drink really today, good. Stu? I've got Moretti, Al. Moretti. I've got a, uh, look, I've got a um, vodka cranberry. You know the little cans? But I'll put it in a wine glass with some ice. Okay. Who uh, missed her? Is that a new settee? No, it's got a new throw on it. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, the throw's fallen off. That's what you can see. I can see green. Yeah, it's the blue throw's fallen off. Oh, if, if you're wondering, listeners, I know this conversation is probably quite inane. But um, yeah, doing... I slept on there two weeks ago, you see. So yeah, I didn't but recognize it. This week, um, we're doing it via Zoom. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. So, Stu, what you got to tell me? Anything exciting? Yeah, um, I know it wasn't my turn out, but I went in the bag of nails the other day. Bloody, was, I thought I saw you in I'll, the corner. I'll, well, it wasn't the day you were there. That must have been someone else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I went in for a swift half. You know how it is when you get a bit first in the West End of London. Oh, yeah. You go to the pub, don't you? Anyway, but I met this, um, this, I met this really weird farmer in there. Uh, he was telling me about two of his cows, which he had with him in the pub. I don't know why yeah. Bev let them in, but she did. Um, but yeah, these two cows, can't remember the names now. Yeah. Uh, but I said to him, um, how much milk did these cows give then? He said, which one, the black one or the brown one? Yeah. I went, well, the, the black one. He went, a couple of litres a day. I went, okay. fair enough. Well, but what about the other? He went, yeah, a couple of litres a day. Okay. So I said to him, um, what did you get them to eat? He said, which one, the black one or the brown one? Bloody hell. I said, okay, the brown one. He went, uh, he eats grass. <laughs> I said, Brilliant. Okay, what about the other one? Yeah, he eats grass as well. I said to him, why do you keep asking me which cow when the answers are the same? He said, well, because the black one's mine. I went, <laughs> oh, okay. What about the brown one? Farm says, yeah, that's mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Steve, before you... a weird person. Before you wrote that, did you do your research to see how much milk a cow gives a day? No. Okay. Well, if, if anyone knows, get in contact. I'd I mean, say it's about a milkshake's worth. <laughs> well, when they do it in films, it's like into a bucket, and that bucket gets pretty full. So what's mm. that like? There's got to be a few litres in there at least. A couple of pints. <laughs> Swift off. So, <laughs> so, got <this> milk? <laughs> <laughs> got milk. <laughs> um, Stu, how'd you... Uh, oh, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, how'd you, how'd you get a milkshake, shake a cow, but... Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's true. Again, no, I don't know. Not. Stu, um, we received a lovely email this week. Um, well, I say lovely. I only read the first line, so I thought what I'd do... I didn't, we, I didn't see it. No, I, I mean, we've both got access to the email account, and I saw yeah. it, and I accidentally deleted it. Um, ah, makes sense now. But I only read the first line before... Um, I printed it off, and I've got it here now, so I thought I'd read it. So I thought I'd G is up for the episode. Who's it from? Um, let me just check the... just says A listener. And I don't know if that's their name. Maybe it's Alistair Listener. Could be. Could, Could be. be. So, um, as I say, I read the first line. So I'll read the first line, and then I'll read the rest, because I've not read the rest yet, Stu. So, um, dear Stu and Al, I'd love to say how hilarious, intelligent, and outstanding this podcast is. Oh, oh a lovely start to an email. Mm. It can only go up from there. Surely. <clears throat> I can't imagine anything else. No. I'd love to say this, but this is the shittest podcast I've ever heard. Not funny, stupid, and these well, two can only be described as wankers. Ignorant. I've written to the Prime Minister to have these two killed. Oh. It's not quite the way I thought it was going to go. Mm. But, yeah. I doubt the Prime Minister will do anything, to be fair. 
No, well, he's probably too busy. Quite enough on his plate. <laughs> All right, well, let's rock and roll, listeners, and move on to top three. Top three. So, top three. Each episode, me and Al tackle a different subject and tell you our three favourite things about it. So, for example, Alex, if I was to say to you your top three plugs, um, yeah. what would you pick? Um, oh, that's a difficult one, that. Uh, I mean, I got a plug from the Bass Street Kids. Yeah, plug, plug In Baby by Muse. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Plug and, from um, the Bass Street. Why have they never done a live-action Bass Street Kids? Who how, played... you cast, how are you going to cast plug? I know that is pretty bad. You'd have to do a lot of makeup to otherwise. If you just got an ugly kid, it'd be like, "Why am I plug?" Well, <laughs> yeah. you know why. I'm, I'm just trying to name one of the other Bass Street kids, and I can't think of anyone's uh, name. Fatty. It was again. <laughs> pretty That's probably why they've not done it. Yeah. <laughs> Danny and his sister. No, Danny was the main one. There was the brother and sister, wasn't there? Ivy the terrible. No, she wasn't in the Bash Street Kids. None of the other kids in the Beano went to that school. That was weird. Well, actually, you say that, Stu, but in some comic strips they did. It was a bit weird. Oh. God, sorry, carry on. Anyway, so uh, this, this Roger week's... Roger the Dodger. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill. This... <laughs> <laughs> he was in it. Remember Biffo the Bear? If the bears, what I meant for that's he, meant. Used to, he used Bill to be. He used to be on the cover of the Beano back in like, but it's like sixties and seventies. Before the bear looked like he wasn't having a good time ever. He always looked serious. Yeah. Uh, Nash of the dog. They've changed it too much now. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't follow it anymore. Uh, yeah. Sorry, so, carry on. So pretty. Um, this episode suggestion has come from Chris Conrath, uh, who picked top three British film directors. Yeah, great choice. It was a really good choice. Yeah. Tricky one as well, because I think I've left out some who would be considered one of the best in their field. But um, Well, I knew my one and my two, but I had a bit of a struggle for my number three. I think my number one might shock you. Because he's American. Sounds like a, sounds like a um, what? Because he's American. He's not really. Fair enough. He's Mine's not even a real person. <laughs> Mine's me. <laughs> so, Stu, do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. So, my number three, Al, I've picked Edgar Wright. Oh, no way! I've picked him as my number three as well. Oh. So the director of the Cornetto trilogy of yep. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, Baby mm. Driver, and Scott Pilgrim Against the World. Yep. Uh, he's known for his very fast-paced satirical genre films, which heavily feature expressive popular music, steadicam tracking shots, and a signature editing style of transitions, whip pans and wipes. Oh, yeah. You can always tell when it's a Edgar Wright film when you watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, he made his first feature film in 1995 called A Fistful of Fingers. And he's also one of the co-writers of the movie Ant-Man. Yeah, should have been director. Yeah, but they, he pulled out any creative, creative differences. differences. It's, it's a real shame because I think he... I mean, I like Ant-Man as a film. I think it was very good, but I'd love to have seen what he'd done with it. Yeah. I mean, it probably would have been quite different. Who, who did direct Ant-Man in the end? Yeah. Uh, Shall we have a look? Let's have a look. Yeah, go for it. Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. I don't know who that is. He directed, he directed oh, Bring happen. It On. Oh, God. All right. And he directed enough. Yes Man. Yeah. He's done some voices and briefs and butters. That Yes Man film was ruined. Like, was awful. But the book yeah, is no end. The, the book's, book's brilliant. Very, very good. Yeah. I've got all his books. Yeah. I have. Why has he not um, written another one yet? He's got a new podcast out now, though, Stu. Has he? Yeah, anatomy. It's very good. Um, so yeah, he's the Jeremy. I mean, he used to watch Spaced that he did as well. Yeah, because of course he directed that as well. Mm. Um, I've got a couple of extra little bits for you if you like. One. So he, I've got his birth date. So he's born on the 18th of. <laughs> I've got birthdays for example. The 18th of April, 1974. Is April. Oh. 
Uh, he's That's also Stu. He's going to direct a. Uh, I suppose it would be a remake of The Running Man. Yeah, I saw that on the not released yet on his IMDb page. Yeah, because he had a. He had a lot that he's got upcoming, and one of them was mm. The Running Man. And I thought, is that the same film? I clicked on it. There's not much information regarding it, but by the synopsis of it, you can tell that it is. Well, it says dystopian future of 2025, and it's like, that's four years away. Yeah. So. <laughs> if, you, if you're making a film about a dystopian future, go about 300 years into the future. Yeah, not Because if, like, like, it's like Back to the Future. It's like, you should have gone further. Yeah, that but, future um, was six years ago now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so I've got that he obviously dropped Still out of Ant Man. No, he dropped out of Ant Man after ten years of development. So he'd been writing the script for it for ten years. He'd he'd, he'd been had the idea and was coming up with it, which is insane. I mean, um, it was still good. Yeah, it was I very. I enjoy good. it. Um, but imagine what it could have been. His favorite film is um, Raising Arizona. Good film. Um, and he also had a, a cameo in Land of the Dead with Simon Pegg as a zombie. Because he was a yes. massive George A. Romero fan, which I think you can tell when you As see. As you can see when you see Sean of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've both got the same number three, Stu. So, why don't you move on to number two? Uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> we've both got, no, he's my number two as well. Oh, no way. I guarantee we've not got the same number one. Well, you never know. We'll, have, we'll find out in a minute. So, can I, can I uh, take the lead on this one then? Soon as you yeah, take yeah, go on. There you go. So, Christopher Nolan, birthday, Stu, you want to know his birthday? October? Uh, no, it's the 30th of July, 1970. So only four years older than Edgar Wright. Oh. Famous, obviously, for the Dark Knight trilogy. Dunkirk, Inception, Prestige, Memento. Some absolutely massive films. And I, that's not all of them, obviously. I've just, I've just picked out a few. Oh. Uh, his influences include Stanley Kubrick and Ridley Scott. He's the first British film director whose film, which was The Dark Knight, made over a billion dollars at the box office. Worldwide, that is. Um, And I also read that he has no plans to ever make a Netflix movie as he is only ever interested in films that will have a cinema release. He doesn't like films going straight to streaming, which I think is quite nice for film director, really. Yeah. yeah, He's not really a fan of digital either, is he? No. To use film. Yeah, he likes to use film. And he likes to make sure that he he's on... He won't let, like, an assistant director do anything to yeah, um, he never record a scene. A, he wants to do it all himself. He never has a second unit, does he? Yeah. He does, like, Which I think is good, because, mm. you know, if it's his film, he wants to make sure that it's... But, yeah, that's all I've got for him to do. So, if you've got anything else. Yeah, so it's a bit like Edgar Wright, so you can usually tell when it's a Nolan film. Yeah, uh, yeah metaphysical themes exploring human morals the construction of time and the nature of memory and personal identity and a lot of those um he has co-written a lot of his films with his brother jonathan uh runs a production company syncopy incorporated with his wife emma thomas Uh, he made his first studio feature which was insomnia with al pacino and robin williams in 2002 uh all of his Film his directorial efforts have grossed more than five billion dollars worldwide. Bloody I've earned thirty six Oscar nominations and eleven wins. Oh, not bad, so, is it really? Well, that's pretty good going. Made his feature debut with Following in nineteen ninety eight, mm-hmm. and then he gained international recognition for his second movie, Memento. That's uh, a great film, Memento. That was nominated for the Best Original Screenplay Oscar as well. Uh, but yeah, the the Batman films he did, they were something else, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I the Dark not necessarily probably my not, best ever Batman film. Not not necessarily just the best, one of the best comic book trilogies of all time, but one of the best trilogies of all time. Yeah, like there isn't a bad film. It it's odd that the that the first film, Batman Begins, is probably the weakest of the three. A lot of people would think, which is really strange for a trilogy to have the first film as of what some people would call the weakest. Mm. So yeah, but brilliant. Uh, still not seen his new one yet, though. Tenet. No, I, I've heard mixed reviews, and I just don't know whether I can. I mean, I did go back and watch Inception, not Inception, um, Interstellar. Interstellar recently, and I did quite enjoy it. Mm. When I first watched it at the cinema, I, I didn't really like it, but I went back and watched it. And I thought actually, it's 
it, it is pretty decent. It's not as good as his other films, and like, but I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, Dunkirk that was good as well. See, I'm not a massive fan of Dunkirk. I I like it. I think it's I think it's a very made well made film, but I just I don't know. I thought you'd like it with the uh, One Direction lad in there. He's good in it. That's the thing. <laughs> but he's not in it enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so yeah, that's uh, Nolan number two. Right. Number one. Do you want me to go here? Yeah, go on then. Okay, so number one, I've got Sir Ridley Scott. Oh, yes. We've got different ones. I knew we would. Okay. Uh, he made his debut feature in 1977 called The Duelists. Uh, that was shot in Europe. It was nominated for the main prize at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, Ridley Scott's work is identified with striking visuals with a strong female lead being a common theme. Mm-hmm. Alien, notably there. Yeah. His visual style incorporating a detailed approach to production design and innovative atmospheric lighting has been influential to other filmmakers as well. He's also covered a very wide range of genres. The sci-fi horror with Alien, the neo-noir dystopian film Blade Runner, my favourite. The road adventure with Thelma and Louise, her historical dramas with Gladiator, the war movie Black Hawk Down, and then just general sci-fi with The Martian, which I watched the other day. Really yeah. Um, you, do you know the, the... Sorry, just going back to that, The Martian... The suit that uh, Matt Dillon wears in The Martian is um, in the National Space Museum in Leicester. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. No way. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. Been there, so. Oh, it's good. Um, so he was knighted in 2003, and in 2018 he received the BAFTA Fellowship for Lifetime Achievement. Good on him. I do like him. I do like yeah. his films. It was difficult leaving him out. But uh, my number one, I've gone for a bit of a different, uh, a different swing. <clears throat> and the main reason I've gone for this is because when I've seen his films, and there aren't that many of them, they've just—I don't know—they've just—they've just brought something out of me that they—that he's the story he tells. I reckon of, I know you pick. Go on then. I reckon you pick Shane Meadows. I have picked Shane Meadows. Yeah, I knew you would. I th- Shane Meadows is just one of those directors and he writes a lot of his films as well that when I first saw, I think the first film I saw of his was A, a Room for Romeo Brass and I just yeah. found it really gritty and really just there's no there's no happy ending to it there's no joy throughout there's like the, the small amounts of joy in it are just then instantly engulfed by misery and just yeah. like isn't can't life be shit for people there's like little rays of sunshine for people but in in the end of it a lot of it is just a slog so i'll just go through some of my notes so shane meadows born the 26th of december 1972 so in between nolan and Wright, famous obviously for this is england dead man's shoes a room for romeo brass does he's done a lot of tv directing as well so obviously did like the um this is England, 86, 88, and 90. Yeah. Um, he had a motorcycle, motorcycle accident when he was 17. That's a nice little fact about him. He met Paddy Constantine at Burton College when they were both on a performing arts course, and they went to form a band where he was the singer and Constantine was on the drums. Uh, a lot of his um, the content is semi-autobiographical, and he uses the Midlands as a backdrop for most of his films. So he uses like mm. Nottingham and places like that. But just, have you ever seen A Room for Romeo Brass? Not to quote or anything. I'd have to watch it again. I guarantee that a lot of our listeners will probably have never even heard of it, but it's a great film to go and watch. It's got Paddy, Paddy Constantine in it. It's just, his character's so funny. Like, because um, Romeo, Romeo Brass's uh, sister's called Ladine, and he keeps going, Ladine, Ladine. <laughs> it's just the way he says it's really comical. But... He's a really horrible character in it as well. Like there's so there's bits of it that you think, oh, he's really nice because he's helping these two kids out, and then he's just fucking evil. Mm. He's just horrible, and it's I, I I love that film. And then Dead Man's Shoes as well is fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's and amazing. I love that one. I think a lot of the time as well, he uses kind of actors that are 
not necessarily professional or not well known. So there's a lot of the performances seem very real because yeah, yeah. Don't... you can tell that from the This Is England. Though, yeah, you? it's a, a lot of the actors from that. I mean, a few of the actors from This Is England have, have gone on to quite big things, but there's a, there's yeah, a few yeah. of them that you never really see anymore. And it's just their performances are really raw. They're really real. And I just, I always enjoy, I mean, I've got his collection on DVD, which mm. I think you saw when you were around. Yeah. I just really enjoy his films. I'd love to see what he's going to do next. He doesn't tend to do that much, really. I think he's focused more on TV work at the moment. Because mm. I don't think his films really made a lot of money at the box office. So he's not one of those directors where they're going to give him something big. Um, and a lot of his stuff, as I say, was self-written. But yeah, that's that's my number one, Shane Meadows. Good pick. Thank you. So let's head to social media. Okay. Um, we'll save Chris Conrad to last because he's got quite a few. Probably should have had him on for this one, actually, but never mind. Um, so we'll start with Brandoltron. Brandoltron, <coughs> robot we films. We only had four responses for this this week, so it's one of our lowest. Yeah. Uh, Brandoltron's gone for Christopher Nolan and Edgar Wright. Like yep. ourselves, uh, and he's gone for Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, well. another one that was difficult to leave out, but mm. uh, my mother Hitchcock as well as Christopher Nolan and Sam Mendes. Okay, cheers, Kimbo. Um, he's gone for Alfred Hitchcock. Yep, John Schlesinger, who did Midnight Cowboy. Okay. And Danny Boyle uh, for Train Spotting and Slumdog Millionaire, which is one of Frank's favorite movies. Of course, I've not even thought of Danny Boyle. Mm. Oh, yeah, good choices, Frank. What a film. Cheers, Frank. Uh, and Chris Comrath, whose idea it was to do this topic. Uh, number one is put Alan Parker. Yep. Uh, number two, Ridley Scott. And number three, Alfred Hitchcock. Honourable mentions to Shane Meadows, yeah. Ben Wheatley, Ken Russell, Danny Boyle, Christopher Nolan, James Whale, Neil Jordan, and Mike Lee. Excellent. Good All choices. Excellent picks. Well, thank you. Again, thank you, Chris Comrath, for giving us that uh, top three. If you, want to, if you want to give us a top three to do, or that you'd like us to do, then do get in contact. But I'll give you that email address and... Uh, social media after I've given us the next top three. <clears throat> so, Stu, we've had quite a lot of ooh, ones that we need to do a bit of research on. So I thought I'd take it back and just give us a really simple one for next episode. So on the next episode, I want your top three fruits. Your stunned silence is very reassuring. Top <laughs> three fruits? Yeah, I just thought I'd take it back. I just... I just thought, you know what? I'm going to make a really easy one for next week. Quite a fun one. So I thought I'd go for top three fruits. Starburst. Can I have that? No. So <laughs> on the next episode, if you would like to contribute and tell us your top three fruits, or you would like to nom- uh, nominate a top three for us to do, then get in contact. We are stewandalpod at gmail.com or on social media. We are at stewandalpod, and that is on Twitter and Instagram. So that was top three. And now it's time for 90s Corner. No, 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 90s Corner. So, 90s Corner, we had a new format, which we've been doing for a, a one week now. This is the second uh, episode of that new format. So in the last episode, we asked you this week for your 1990 single. So a single from the year 1990. So we've had a few on social media, Stu, but I would like to ask you, what is your single from the year 1990? Uh, Blaze of Glory by John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Can you sing me a little bit? Because I can't remember that song. No. All right. So I don't we know anything make about it. it. The, uh, we should make it the outro. To no, the, uh, because I want my song as the outro, so I can't use any of them. I'll use mine for the trailer then. Fine, then tell us about Blaze of Glory. Uh, nothing much. Um, they wanted to use one of his songs for um, Young Guns 2. I think it was Wanted Dead or Alive. John yeah. Bon Jovi's like, the, the lyrics don't really go for this because it's about me going on tour, not the Wild West. So he's like, I'll write you a song for it. He wrote Blaze of Glory. They put it in the movie. 
I think he appears in the film at some point as well. Oh, does he? Pretty sure he gets shot too. Good. Wow. Great song. <laughs> great artist. Um, yeah. Pretty sure it's been better than the song you picked. Okay. Well, for my song, Stu, I've picked Step On by the Happy Mondays. Yep, I was right. No, you're not. So Step On by the Happy Mondays was released on their third album, Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. Now, I could not believe that this is their third album. And it was 1990. I didn't realize that they'd been going for that long. I thought they'd started in the early 90s. And I certainly didn't know they'd had two albums before this one. It was released through Factory Records, and it was released on the 9th of April, 1990, and hit number five in the UK charts. But I didn't realize until today that it is a cover of He's Gonna Step On You Again by John Congos in 1971. You're twisting me melon, man. That was the only part of the song that's not in the original. But it's I a met, great um, song. I met the singer of Happy Mondays in JC's in town. Yeah, he, come, he goes into Leicester quite a lot, doesn't he? He bought me a Guinness. Did he? Mm. Oh. But they, I love the Happy Mondays. I've seen them live. They were, just, they were brilliant live. But this was probably the song that most people know them for, Step On. Really like it. I think it's a great 90s tune. And that's why I've chosen it. It's nice to okay. see that we've well, chosen we'll two different ones. We'll see if it gets into the United's Corner. Obviously, we put it to the poll this week on yep. what goes through from the last one, which we'll get to in a minute. Yep. So, Stu, what have we um, had from social media? So, uh, Chris Conruff has gone for Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Rice. That's going to win, isn't it? Well, he says this is the greatest song from 1990, and it, there is nothing better. Um, I, thought he'd I disagree. But we'll see. I mean, it's probably more than it goes into the poll. Kim... R has gone for Sacrifice by Elton John. <laughs> yeah, great sound. No sacrifice. No sacrifice. Uh, Brendo Tron has gone for Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Yeah. That's a good song. Uh, Frankie and Keza G have both gone for Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. Okay, yeah. So what we're going to do then, we'll put R2 in. Ice Ice put Ice Ice Baby. And, and what and were the other three again? Well, Enjoy the Silence got two votes. Already, oh, yeah. So well put that okay, in. Enjoy the Silence. So on Twitter this week, a poll will go oh, on yeah. with those four songs. Vote for your favourite, and we'll tell you which one won last, next week. But on the last episode, we had the film of the ninth, uh, 1990. Stu, what were the four nominees? Home Alone. Yep. Goodfellas. Yep. Arachnophobia. Yep. And Misery. Okay. Give us them in uh, fourth to first. Fourth place was Misery with 6%. There were 17 votes in total. That's crazy. Misery fourth. 6%. 6%. Uh, Arachnophobia came third with 12%. Yep. Fair enough. Now, second place was 35% of the vote. And first place was 47% of the vote. Go on. Goodfellas came second. Ah. Oh. And Home Alone won the poll. Yeah, it's fine. It's not. It wasn't the best, but okay. No, get get the broom out, Stu, and sweep Home Alone into nineties corner. So hang on a second. Does this mean we can't put Goodfellas in nineties corner? That's right. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not going to sweep Home Alone. I'm just going to kick it in instead. <laughs> Boot. <laughs> Kevin! I can't believe Home Alone's beat Goodfellas. I know. Don't get me wrong, Home Alone's a good film, but I mean, come on. It's no Goodfellas. Goodfellas, man. So but, the 35% who voted for Goodfellas, good on you, well done. And to everyone else, but I guess it's your choice. So on the next episode, what we're going to be doing is we were originally going to have the top TV show that started in 1990, but we had a look. And there's not an awful lot that came out in 1990. So we're going to yeah, change it. Mr. Bean, weren't there? Yeah, there was like Mr. Bean. I think like one or two others that we could find. So what we're going to have for the next episode is your pop culture reference from the 19, from 1990. So anything that happened that was particularly memorable. So you could have a TV show that started if it was a, a, a big TV show that changed the way TV went. You can have uh, Mr. Bean. Yeah, you can have Mr. Bean. You can have a something to do with politics or, I don't know, use your imagination. 
So Good luck. if you want to tell us your pop culture reference from the year 1990, get in contact at Stu and Alpod on Instagram and Twitter or Stu and Alpod at gmail.com. Still to come, we hear about what Nancy Sinatra's been up to. Uh, find out about some cows in Switzerland. Let's uh, talk about my fake news story that I've already forgot what it's about. There's a good bit of sport. Al takes a trip down the bag of nails. Mike Reed is more helpful than ever with his top tips. But for now, we're just going to take a quick, short advertisement break. For subpar comedy and poor impressions, it's time for Al's Channel 5 always makes heartwarming and respectable documentaries about ordinary people. This week, we bring you The Naked Fisherman. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Paul, Paul Arley, and uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been naked fishing for 25 years. We find out why he does it. I like fishing, I like being nude, and I like women. Uh, I've managed, <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to, uh, to, to, to get two of those things together. But uh, unfortunately, the sight of my cock and bollocks has scared away the ladies. We also find out his hints and tips for others. One thing you need to focus on is your tackle. Once that's out, you can start getting ready to fish. And, uh, by tackle, I mean my cock and balls. Yeah. We also find out what passerbys say. They often compliment me on my tackle. And I say, what about my cock and balls? The looks on their faces. That's The Naked Fisherman on Channel 5. Now it's time for the news. In the news, a feature that Stu tells us a couple of news stories, one real, one he's made up. And then he'll also go through some sports stories, some travel, some weather... Anything else, Stu? Farming? Business. Business, of course, business as well. So, Stu, here are your headlines. Cheers, Al. Uh, child breaks tooth on eating a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle M&M. Uh, <laughs> shouldn't be really eating heroes in a hard shell, to be fair. <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, Nancy... Well, well. <laughs> <What>? Nothing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Nancy Sinatra releases a new footwear with built-in walkie-talkies. Um, these boots are made for talking. Uh, are out now. Yeah. <laughs> and the zombies are to release a match of the day style poetry TV show. Rhyme of the season is on ITV from January. <laughs> Very good. But first, Cows in Switzerland have been airlifted to the bottom of their alpine meadow in a bizarre spectacle that happened this week. Around 10 of the animals were taken by helicopter off the ridges in the Clausen Pass region of Switzerland. Using a mesh harness, the cows were suspended by a length of cable uh, <laughs> below the helicopter as they took to the skies with the cows attached. Mm. Farmer Jonas Arnold said, I can't do a, I can't do a Swiss accent. So. Well, just do a farming accent. Uh, one reason for this transport is that you can't reach some pastures by car. And the other is that some cows are injured, so they don't have to walk all the way down. I didn't ask the cows how it feels after the flight, as they can't answer, because they're cows. But it's only a short distance, so I'm, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> he actually said that in the interview as well. Did he? I didn't ask how the cows felt because they're cows and they can't answer. <laughs> Good on him. Uh, or did he? Or did he, Stu? Is or this did he? Yeah, up? yeah. This could be the made up one. Yeah, exactly. Why would you talk to a cow? The flight is so short. I didn't notice any difference between them that flew down and those that walked it. <laughs> Only 1% of the group were given some uh, help by the helicopter. That's 10 out of 8,000. Cows there. Uh, they're all heading to Erneboden in Switzerland and they're gearing up for the annual cow parade there. <laughs> now, cow parade. 
I mean, this whole thing is just a load of bull, isn't it? I mean, mm. I don't think the cows up there, those 10 cows did it by helicopter. I don't think they were injured. They just I, seemed to be milk. I think they were just milking it. Oh, bloody. I bet they loved it, though. Looking up there, fucking hell! Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Like going mental. Ten, 10 managed to fly down, but I don't know if they had a bit of beef with the farmer in the first place or... Jesus Christ. Or what? But moving on, though, Al. Could you believe it? Utterly ridiculous. Uh, I, next time I see you do it, I'll give you a pat on the back. <laughs> well, moving on to number two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how dare he? <laughs> Story number two. Dave Grohl is to become a priest. Yeah, this one's made up. You don't know that. Now, the idea all came about when he got ordained to marry two of his best friends in Las Vegas uh, a few months back. After the ceremony finished, he says, uh, I located the, I, I toasted the happy couple. Here's to the best of you. <laughs> and I wish you an ever long marriage. Oh, yeah. But then I, uh, I thought to myself, I could do this for real. Now, why be the pretender? <laughs> Unless, <laughs> let's get this idea some serious thought. Growing up, I used to go to church a lot. My grandfather was a pastor at the local church. I thought of him as my hero. When I was younger, all I wanted to do was either learn to fly or be like him. (laughs) So I started making steps to walk into priesthood. (laughs) Uh, I've took a placement at St. Cecilia Church. And uh, my breakout service is (sighs) at the end of the the month. God bless. Monkey wrench. Yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) So... um, (laughs) Is Dave Grohl becoming a priest or did cows go on that helicopter ride? Well, you know what? Even if it wasn't true, I would want cows to be going on a helicopter ride. That's yep. one thing the cows have got above me. Ten, ten cows can now say that they've flown by helicopter and I can't say that. Oh, maybe one day. Mm. I well, bet that was fault. great. Yes, please. You should see the picture of the cow just like on the harness thing. Just standing there like... They should have put uh, like a little, uh, like a little Superman suit on him or something. Some <laughs> so sort of flying. Uh, yeah, got to give us some sport. Sport. Uh, Fuchs off to Brighton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Bertrand Fuchs has signed a four-year deal with the Seagulls. <laughs> uh, yeah. There was confusion this week though when three Everton players turned up in suits of armor. Uh, they misunderstood when they were told they were playing night games. Oh, oh God. A bit of business for you, Al, in Southampton. A new Oriental restaurant is to open down there, uh, just by the docks. Uh, Titanic opens in Friday. Yeah. Uh, those travelling by ferry to this week's Dublin's Guinness Festival, uh, be sure to use your umbrella as a hard rains are going to fall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get it? Ferry? Brian Ferry? Yeah, yeah Brian Ferry. Uh, <laughs> uh, the weather is gravel. Oh, lovely. Lovely hot gravel. Mm. <laughs> rocky, rocky, rocky. Okay. Well, thanks, Stu. A lovely edition of In the News there. But In now, news. everyone, it is time for Bastermind. Hey. Hey. In each episode, Stu and I choose a subject for each other. We then give each other five questions. We're bastards about it. Bastards. And we see who gets the most right answers. It is currently 9-8 to myself. Very close. I think it was a draw last week, Stu. It was a draw last week. So, Stu, last, yeah. in the last episode, we were on the letter N, N mm. for November. No, 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 19. No, 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 19. And I gave you Netflix. And I gave you Neville Southall. Neville Southall. So, Stu, I'm just going to show you my... Phone screen, show you I'm not cheating. And show me yours. Oh, yours is all the way over there. Okay, because there has been cheating in this, not just by myself anymore, but by Stu as well. So, uh, yes, you cheated once. So, uh, Stu, okay. shall I ask you Netflix questions first? Uh, go on then, yeah. <clears throat> Stu, your chosen subject is Netflix, and your time starts now. Question one, when was Netflix founded. I'm just after the year. 1997. Correct. Question two. As of July 2021, 
How many subscribers are there? 12 million. 209 million. Oh, nearly. Question three. Where are the Netflix headquarters located? And I want the city. Los Gatos, California. Correct. Question four. In 2020, what was their revenue in dollars? 12 billion. 25 billion dollars. And finally, question five. What was the initial business model? Uh, It's like a DVD rental uh, online. Uh, DVD sales and rental by mail. I'll give you that. Well done, Stu. You've scored three out of five. Excellent. Excellent. Alex, you've got Neville Southall. Mm -hmm. And your first question, I need the city and country is place of birth. Landudno, Wales. That's very well done. Yes, correct. Uh, question two, what was his first English league club? <clears throat> Bury. Yes, yes. Well done. Uh, how many times was he capped by Wales? 92. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> That's the equaliser, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alex, uh, Neville Southall became the manager of which team during the 2001-2002 season? Ooh. <clears throat> Torquay? Dover Athletic. Ah, yeah. Uh, Neville Southall won his first Wales cap against who? I'll take a guess at Belarus. It was Northern Ireland. Oh, 3 3. 3 3. So on to the tiebreaker. Stu, there are four countries in the world which <gasps> do not have Netflix. Can yeah. you name two of them? North Korea and mainland China. Correct. Well done. You could have also had Syria. Syria and Crimea River. <laughs> Crimea. Right. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, well done. That, I think that you're the first, that's the first ever tiebreaker question anyone's got right. <laughs> mm. Right. Yours are now. In total, how many goals did Neville Southall score in his career? Zero. Yeah, zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, I'd get you on that. <laughs> it remains. No, that's one thing I noticed. I'd look and I was like, he's, he's not, he's not. He never scored a goal. So another draw, which remains at 9 8 uh, to ah. me. So, Stu, the next letter of the alphabet is obviously O or O, if you prefer. So, your subject for the next episode is Orville the Doc, <laughs> who has his own Wikipedia page. And for me, yours, Alex, is the yeah. country of. Oh man. Oh, oh man. Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Here is a man. Here is another. Push him in the pool or cuddle his brother. <laughs> so, carrying on, that was Bastermind. And now it's time for Tales Down a Bag O' Nails. Rabbit, 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 me and Alex take it in turns to go down to London's finest pub, the Bag of Nails. London! We, that's right, London, where we find a special character in there who tells us why he loves this pub so much. This week, Alex went down to London. I did. Londinium. Uh, and I believe you met Uncle Dorigay? No. No. Good. No, he's still so, being questioned. Excellent. Let's hope he gets put away for a very long time. Uh, who did you meet this week, then, Al? Well, still, I met an A-list celebrity down there. Only John from Rosie and Jim. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great conversation with him. He's going to ruin John from Rosie and Jim. I'll patch you the tape. Oh, God. Click. Hello, Stuart. It's uh, John from Rosie and Jim here. You may remember, if you ever used to watch Rosie and Jim, I was the old chap who used to steer the boat. And I used to draw that fucking river on a piece of paper and put the boat on it. Quack. Well, Stu, I, I often come down the bag of nails. Uh, I use my Rosie and Jim money to drink down here, really. Did you know, Stu, there are 156 episodes of Rosie and Jim? Really? Hadn't it? 
How did we come up with that many storylines for something like that? Fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, Stu. <clears throat> John I actually, I was, <laughs> I was sacked from Rosie and Jim um, because, uh, this is going to sound mad, Stu, but I didn't actually realise that Rosie and Jim came alive in the show. I thought it was just a lovely show about me going along the canals and writing a song, uh, a story each week about puppets. I didn't know, Stu. And the problem is, after the camera crew left, I used to get to up to all sorts of mucky stuff in the boat. I used to invite prostitutes back no. and I'd take class A drugs. No. In front of Rosie and Jim, not realizing that they were actually real and they came to life. <laughs> I once used Jim to wipe up the sick after I'd had a particularly bad trip on some heroin. But uh, that's another story. And once I was so angry after taking so much ketamine, I punched. <laughs> I punched Rosie and Jim and screamed obscenities right into their faces. Oh, still, it was horrible. I, I feel yeah. so bad for them. And you know that duck? Oh, I used to use him to scratch my ass still. Oh, oh I feel so bad because he were alive as well, wasn't he? Oh, I tell you what, I'm a silly sausage. I do feel bad now, especially after the last episode. So I don't know if you remember the last episode. I got really drunk and I set the puppets on fire. The screams still. I thought it were foxes down the road, but it weren't. It were the screams of Rosie and Jim. I feel so bad. I feel really bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to leave now. I'm sorry. So that was pretty much where it ends, though. He just sort of carried on crying. Um, mm. I didn't know about that, about, about, about Rosie and Jim, did you? Nope. No. But, uh, yeah, anyway, Stu, I hope you have a nice time down the bag of nails next week. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. So, anyway, moving on is... Uh... I think we can. <laughs> what a horribly dark turn that just took. <laughs> anyway, here's Mike Reed's top tips. I don't think Mike's too sad. In each episode, Stu finds a cassette tape with a couple of tips from Mike Reed. So, Stu, have you got a cassette this week? I do, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And click. Hello everyone, Mike Reed here, offering you a couple more tips to get by in life. Now, number one, add a touch of magic to your cold by putting glitter in your mouth before you sneeze. <laughs> yeah. And uh, number two, ever need a bottle opener for your beer while you're driving? Well, just use the metal on your seatbelt to undo the cap. <laughs> but don't forget to uh, buckle up after, I was driving without a seatbelt is illegal. Sorry, officer. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely stuff. Thanks, Mike. So that brings an end. Episode, what, we're on 34? Bloody yeah, I was 34. Bloody hell fires. So, you know, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, maybe tell us your top three fruits for the next episode or the next 90s corner will be your pop culture reference from the year 1990. Get in contact. We are stewandalpod at gmail.com or at stewandalpod on Instagram and Twitter. Stu, you got anything else you want to tell us? Nope. Oh, well, Stu, I've got something. So it's been a, a really interesting transfer window in the uh, soccer world. It has, isn't it? Yes. A yeah. couple of big moves. We've obviously seen Lionel Messi go to PSG. We've seen Jaden Sancho leave Borussia Dortmund to come to Manchester United. But we've also seen Ronaldo yeah. to Manchester United from Juventus, his homecoming, you could say. So, Stu, what I wanted to do was try and get an interview or, or get Ronaldo on the podcast, and he, he greatly, greatly accepted. So I've got, him, I've got him here now. No way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him a couple of questions, and then um, I thought if you want to ask him a couple of questions and all. Okay. Yeah? 
So, <clears throat> firstly, hello, Ronaldo. Welcome, uh, welcome to the Stu and Al pod. Great to have you on. Hi, uh, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's that's um, not Ronaldo. Stu, Ronaldo, he's here. Shh. Mm. So, first of all, can I just ask you, um, what do you think of Manchester United now? Oh, a smashing club they are. They're a bloody smashing club, isn't they? What a history there. Uh, win a lot of trophies, didn't they? Uh, fantastic. A fantastic club. Red Devils, isn't they? That's what they call Red Devils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how long do you think you can keep going, Ronaldo? Oh, well, oh, fair few years yet, lad. Uh, you know, hoping uh, to carry on for a while. like to see the grandkids grow up and everything. Uh, see them go up to off to university and, uh, you know, and all that, really. Okay. All right, thank you. Um, finally, um, how do you stay so fit? Oh, you know, I've got my wife's uh, Linda Lusardi videos that I like uh, working out to. Well, she does it, and uh, I have a go in the front room every so often. Uh, or the conservatory a few times as well. I have a couple of weights that I lift every so often, and, uh, you know, that, and all that. Oh, Stu, do, do you want to ask Ronaldo any questions? Yeah, um, can you just confirm your name? Yes, it's Ron Aldo. That's all I needed to know, thank you. Right, uh, well, uh, th- thanks very much, lads. Uh, keep up the good work. I've not heard your podcast, so it's not really my thing. But, uh, right, well, uh, keep on rocking. <laughs> See you later. Oh, shit, Stu, you know it is. Yeah, it's Ron Aldo. Ron Aldo. Yeah, it's not yeah. Ronaldo. Oh, fuck. No. Sorry, Stu. <sighs> I thought he looked a bit different, but, you know, yeah. I thought... I thought, thought he was then... English for a start. <laughs> yeah, that was the giveaway. <laughs> I thought maybe he's accented. Um, and James. the fact that he was 60 years old as well um, didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. really help. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for listening. If you if you listen, well, if you are at this point, then you have been listening. Uh, apologies for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll be back, hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time. In the same room next time, hopefully, as well. Hopefully in the same room next time. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Ron Aldo as well. Goodbye. Should we do a, a, Should we do our uh, signature sign off? Ready? Goodbye. Jim. Rosie. <laughs> Rosie and Jim, Rosie and Jim, chugging along on the old rag doll. Rosie and Jim, Rosie and Jim, hands on his steers the boat. We go to play and have a look with Rosie.